Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And our guest today is Stephen Farber, who was that employee, you know, the one who handed in resignation letters one after another, always in pursuit of something more or different or better. He then analyzed his own patterns, sought out the often unspoken employee grievances, and translated his findings to understand the employer's perspective. Today, he's a pivotal figure in steering organizations towards success. His focus on instilling lasting positive changes in teams has led to the creation of emotionally resilient and adaptable workforces. With a dedication to utilizing flexible, brain-friendly, and relevant tools, he holds an esteemed position as the vice president at Take Flight Learning. Steven, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Grossman. Thank you so much for having me on. Very happy to be here. Yeah, well, I know we're going to have a really delightful conversation because I know what's coming, but they don't. (laughs) So we'll leave the intrigue in there. And before we dive into all that, start us off by telling us about a time where you burned out. Sure. You know, it's hard to just pick one. And I'm sure this is very relatable to a lot of people, but there's so many opportunities to burn out in our lives. And that's why I really like what you're doing here, Dr. Grossman, is shining the light where it needs to be shown in a world where progressively more and more, especially in America, is work until you drop, right? And that's not the best way to go about it. So let me share probably the most relatable story. And it has a lot to do with what you just said. So I was that employee. And I was the employee that I used to call myself the interviewer's nightmare. They would look at my resume and say, oh my gosh, have you ever stayed anywhere longer than a year? Like, how can we even trust you to be with us for longer than a year? Why would we invest in you? So I often found myself with not a lot of answers. And it took me a couple of years before I came to the conclusions that I did. And a big catalyst of that was COVID and I did the most brilliant thing ever, Dr. Grossman. I decided to quit my corporate job during COVID and start my own business. And if you can't hear the sarcasm, it's there. Uh, it, it was it was one of the hardest, I used to say stupidest things I've ever done. I don't say that anymore. However, it was very hard and it allowed me to do a lot of soul searching and a lot of reflection. And here's what I found. First and foremost, I learned that I was an adult with ADHD. That is a huge, huge revelatory thing. And if you suspect that you might 
have ADHD or something like it, my advice to you is please go get a diagnosis. There is no shame in that. It answered so many questions for me. With ADHD, there's a general lack of dopamine in the brain, which mm-hmm. is that drug that really will drug. It's the chemical in our brains that really make us you know, interested in what we're doing and we pay attention. And I'm probably not doing a great job of explaining the science. But for me, what happens is any job I went to, it was exciting because it was different and it was new, but I would get burnt out by about a year because at that point I'd seen it all, I'd done it all. There wasn't always a lot of opportunity for advancement, or if there was, it was too hard for me to really want to dig into it. Those were my thoughts at the time. So knowing that allowed me to understand that there was a problem that I needed to address, and I was able to get help for that through counseling, therapy, and Jesus and all of it. It's like, oh, thank goodness. Okay, I have and I have an answer for one of those. But here was the other part was finding something that aligned with my goals and my values. And in my opinion, my personality style, what was something that really made me feel charged up whenever I worked? And it's not to say that there's only specific industries that certain people can work in, but it's about finding what it is about what you do that aligns with your values that keeps you charged up and fueled And then also knowing when to step back and realign those and most importantly, to take breaks so you don't burn out on something you love. So putting those two things together led me to found my company that I've since disbanded since I've become the vice president at Take Flight Learning, which was Hero Culture, which was to solve the problem of why everybody burns out, not just people with ADHD, but why are people leaving in droves? Why did the great resignation happen? Like, how do we get the great return? How do we make that happen? And as a result, I really had to do a lot of self-reflection and came to the conclusion that really it's a case-by-case basis. So I just said a lot of information. That's my big burnout story. And honestly, it's something that I have to keep in mind every day as I have to step back, tie it to my own values and say, you know, how do I feel about what I'm doing? How can I align this with purpose, with my purpose? How can I see as what I come to do with work every day is meaningful and continuing to light that fire. That's how I continue to prevent burnout in in that regard. So you did say a lot of things and I'm going to see if I can remember everything that I wanted to comment on. But one thing you're saying is that it's important to be aligned with your values, which we've talked about on the show many times. You're also talking about the ADHD brain and how you'd come in and the dopamine hit would happen at the beginning of the job because it was new and exciting and there was something to learn. And then about a year in, it would dwindle. And so from analyzing all of your experiences and and understanding from your experience what happened to you, I'm curious what you came up with as a kind of solution to this issue. Is it about the individual figuring out how to continue that excitement in a new way so that they can stay in the job longer than a year? Or is it something that the company needs to be aware of to create additional opportunities for excitement? I would say it's yes, it's both. However, I think the hard answer is that it's largely in the court of the individual. It's largely on us to stay motivated in order to enjoy what we're doing every day. However, companies that take that extra step 
to actually invest in anti-burnout, whether it's programs, mindfulness, training programs, whatever, that's only going to help. It's going to help you learn about who's working for you, how they want to work, and what really keeps it interesting for them. Those two things together are the beautiful combination that I hope every company eventually does. And so if the onus is really on the individual for the most part, and Mm. somebody is listening to this and they have ADHD, what are some tips or strategies that you would recommend for them to continue to feel excited about going to work every day? That's a great question. And if you have ADHD, you know the struggle. Staying interested in anything can be very, very difficult. I have trouble convincing myself to take out the trash every day. And that's something that really needs to happen because I enjoy my house not smelling like garbage. However, what I do with even small instances like that is I have to connect it to my values. What kind of house do I want to live in? Do I want to live in one that smells like garbage? Well, of course not. So what needs to happen so that this house doesn't smell like garbage? Easy answer is take out the trash, right? How do you make that interesting? I mean, anywhere from you know, I recently, my new thing is that I have, I have the trash out on the porch every day. Sometimes I take it at night. It's really just about switching things up. However, I would say the most important part of all of that is really stepping back and asking yourself what's important because people with ADHD, we have a very, we have very poor frontal processing ability. We have to take enough time to slow down and remind ourselves why the things that are important are important. And it allows us to say, oh, I understand. And it's interesting in a different way in that respect. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in other words, and I think this happens to a lot of us is we might have awareness around what's important, but Mm -hmm. then we get all dragged into the weeds with all of the things that we do every single day. And then we kind of lose perspective. And so what you're saying Mm -hmm. is slow down, take a step back, look at the big picture. Why are you even in the situation? What do you want out of the situation? And then from that place, make the decision. I would say yes. And you know, going back to the garbage can, looking at it in a way that is great, like, you know, I don't want to take the trash out right now. That's easy for anybody. But if you look at it and say, I can't wait to have this house just smelling clean, that's a different way to look at taking the trash out, right? And you can apply that to everything. I can't wait to go in and make an impact in my job today and help people. Maybe you're in customer service and you get yelled at all day long. That is a draining thing for anybody. But however, if you go into it with the attitude, I can't wait to go in there and find that one person who's going to really be appreciative of that. That kind of reframing things is very helpful for people. I'd say for anybody, and especially people who have things like ADHD or autism or anything where it's very hard to see the big picture a lot of times. So I just actually listened to an interview with Chris Voss. And if you're not familiar with him, he's the guy who was part of, I think the CIA and he was on the scene when there was a hostage situation. So he was a hostage negotiator. One of the things he talks about is, you know, sometimes you're going to enter situations where people are not in a good mood. There is some sort of circumstance that is not optimal. And so it's like, what do you do about that? And he really has these skills that he puts into place to turn things around. So he gives a really simple example, which I think we can all learn from. He was talking about how, let's say he enters an Uber and the Uber driver is in a really bad mood. The first thing he does to make him switch his state from one of thieving and like hating his job to 
like something where he's a little bit more interpersonal and chatting with you as the customer as he asks him what's the thing you love most about driving for uber right and so right away you're asking not a very close-ended question like do you like it do you not like it but what do you love about it which forces your brain to look for the answer and in a positive um, way right yeah well or it just opens up the conversation because then what happened with him is that Uber driver just started unloading on him. He's like, ah, you know, like these are all the things. And so the next step that he talks about is saying, well, if the person's unleashing on you, it probably means that nobody's listening to them, right? They have all of this like stuff just pent up inside and it has nowhere to go. And so then the reflection that he uses is, it sounds like nobody's listening to you, right? So He's constantly like asking these questions to change the person's state and then giving these reflections that say, listen, I get it. I hear what you're saying. I'm totally here with you. And that just helps the person to calm down and be in the moment and kind of get out of that state of anger. Cause it's like, oh, finally somebody gets it. You feel heard. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it kind of made me think about that. I'm a big fan of Shirzad Carmine's work from Positive Intelligence, and he talks about empathy being two-way circuitry. So when you actually ask somebody a similar approach that I'll take, you know, just with my wife at home, who's who does everything, full-time mom, she's also a tattoo artist and a graphic designer, and she has a millworm farm she just created. She's a very fast-paced, productive personality style, and some days everything hits her at once. She's just angry and upset. And one of the things that I'll ask her is, Hey, what's going on? And she'll unload on me. And I've noticed that if I just try to give her solutions or tools right away, that's actually worse. It almost makes her feel like I'm treating her like an employee or something like that. However, if I just stop and say, wow, that must really be frustrating feeling like you can't get ahead of anything. It does two things. One, it makes her feel heard, but it also makes her start being kind to herself. Yes. And that's interesting is it works both ways, right? I understand. And then she's able to also stop beating up that inner kid inside of herself as well. So yeah, I agree. And I find the parallels are amazing in that regard. Yeah. And when it comes to communication, I know that you figured something out in terms of different patterns or styles. So tell us a little bit more about that. Because one of the things I noticed on your LinkedIn profile is your communicator style was owl slash dove. So I'm very intrigued. I'm curious, what does that mean? How do we know if we have that style and what other styles exist? Sure. Well, great question. And luckily here at Take Flight Learning, we've developed a way to answer that and teach you all about the four styles in about two minutes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You're just going to say the first things that come to mind. All right. Okay. When you think of somebody who has the traits of an American bald eagle, an eagle, what comes to mind? What are some words? Strong. Strong. Good. Black. Big. Fierce. Very big. Direct, maybe. Right. Very yes. intense. I've heard that a lot of times yeah. as well. Fierce. And if you think about like a real life eagle, they fly thousands of feet up in the air if they see something they want, like a fish, they're not going to ask a committee. They're going to go get it, right? It's done. It's over. Just like a real life eagle, a person with the eagle personality is usually a pretty direct communicator. They move very fast. They see the big picture. That is what we call the eagle style. Now, let's shift. 
what do you think of when you think of somebody with the traits of a parrot? Funny, humorous, friendly. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go on YouTube and you type in parrot, right? There is so many just hilarious videos of these cockatoos, these macaws, these beautiful tropical parrots just doing hilarious things. You think of somebody with the actual traits of a parrot. Let me give you a window into the person with the parrot personality's mind. They're sitting there, they're eating a sandwich and they're just like, this is the best sandwich I've ever had. This is amazing. Wow. Like, is that the best sandwich they've ever had? Probably not, but they are relating in a very optimistic and exuberant way how much they like it. So a person with a parrot personality is usually enthusiastic, optimistic, very interactive, like the eagle, big picture personality, very social. You can hear parrots coming from a mile away, just like people with that style. You can usually hear them from a mile away. They love to talk. They love to interact. Now, there's two other styles. So going Wait, down before, to- Before you move on, oh, I, I sure. just want to say that we used to live in San Francisco. And I don't know if you know this, but in San Francisco, there was a clan of some parrots that escaped and they clanned together. And now they were like always over our neighborhood. There was like a neighbor's tree across the street and they always used to kind of gather there. So they would fly over our backyard and you would hear them, whatever their noise is. And, and literally like you'd look up and it was like a group of green parrots. And so the thing that I just wanted to say is that Unlike the eagle, I feel like the parrots also stay in a group. Yes. So that's actually a very good distinction. You think about real life eagles, they're not, they're not, you don't see flocks of eagles. They do mate for life, I believe. So you might see one or two together, but you won't see tons of eagles together. But with parrots, you will see tons of parrots. When we look at people with those personalities, I like to use uh, the example of a water cooler. If you have a water cooler with, it's just for the eagles, they're probably never going to be at it. They're busy. They're doing stuff. But if you have the water cooler with the, a place for parrots, there's probably 20 parrots over there just talking about the day. What's going on? What are you doing after this? You know, how's your family? What's going on? So very task versus social oriented styles in there. Okay. So tell us what the other two styles are. Sure. So the other style or the other two styles, and we're going to start with the dove. So when you think of a dove personality, what are some of the words that come to mind? White, soft, gentle, peaceful. But they are the international symbol for peace, right? Mm -hmm. So you think about someone with the traits of a dove, they're going to be very warm, very inviting. Something interesting about the dove style is they're considered an introverted social style. So they're going to be very people-oriented. You usually see a lot of them in customer-facing roles, customer service. Not that they can only do that, but they are very well-equipped to really listen. They are the master listeners. If you see a group of people who have the traits of the dove in real life, you just get that feel of like, hey, you're welcome here. We understand you. We love you. And here's a very short story. If you think about a dove and an eagle crossing each other on the street, an eagle walks by a dove, says, hey, how's it going? The dove turns around and says, oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. How are things with you? The eagles now confused. They're like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. We're having a conversation. <laughs> I, I was, because when it comes to the eagle style, they're just saying almost like, hello, it's just another way to wave. They're not really asking, how are you? But somebody with the dove style, they're saying, hey, how are you? They really want to know. Yeah. That like makes somebody, sense. Somebody came on the show once and said that they had once had a supervisor or somebody who said to them, no, how are you really? Was the question. 
sounds like we, a dove style. Because we say it all the time. Oh, how are you? And I, I actually had this happen yesterday. I was eating lunch outside and one of the guys that works in the building passes me and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And he just like keeps walking. And I'm like, that was a real question. That's funny. That's, it's, it happens all the time, right? One thing to think about in terms of burnout, and this is a really good piece of advice, is for the employees that you have that are doves. When the doves stop asking how you are and they just go quiet, now you know that there's a problem. Oh, that's in so fact, good. Yeah. And because doves, when you think about parrots and eagles, they externalize everything. So I'm an owl dove, very much in the owl section. My wife is a parrot to the core. If there is a problem, I know about it. She tells me everything, even if she doesn't want to. And we both have ADHD. So that's a whole different story and, and lots of hilarious stories there. However, she externalizes people like me, though. With the dove style, we have this rich inner experience that happens that no one ever knows about. We call it imploding. So by the time your best employee who's a dove has gone quiet, it's already close to too late. It's time to step in, really employ maximum emotional language and empathy and listen and help solve that issue. So good things to know there. But we can move on to the last style if that works for you. Well, you kind of dropped in about your wife being an owl. So now the cat's out of the bag. What is an owl? Well, so I'm an owl. My wife's a parrot with a little bit of an owl. However, I am the owl. And an owl, let me well, let me start the way I've started. What's a big word that culturally all of us think about when it comes to owls? If you just think of an owl, Sharon. Of wisdom. Of wisdom. Let me let me yeah. stop you there. Okay. Wisdom. That always happens. What is it about an owl that makes us think wise or wisdom? I'm not honestly sure, but I'm just going to take a stab at it. Maybe because they just like sit on their tree branch and they're kind of looking around and just observing what's happening. And then they can take all that and distill it and come out with the pearls. Absolutely. A real life owl can turn its head almost all the way around. It has these crazy ears that are actually offset in a way where the sound enters one side and out the other. And they have a very particular way that they can hear. They're just incredibly observant. That's what it is. So when you think of somebody with the owl style, it's not to say that only the owl style is wise or only the parrot style can be in sales or only the dove style can be in customer service. That's where we start getting into these stereotypes, but the owl being so observant, analytical, data-driven personality type, that's why we think, oh, they must be very wise because they are like the doves, great listeners, but they're very much into the details. So you think about real life owls, you don't really see them out everywhere, but they are very numerous. They prefer to be kind of behind the scenes. They come out at night, they're everywhere. And kind of like the eagles, you don't see flocks of owls. You see maybe a bonded pair here and there, but they are more siloed or solo types of individuals. So someone with the owl style might be one of those employees or team members that isn't going to fly off the handle in a good way if you recognize them publicly, so to speak. That's a great way to burn out your owls is to try and really encourage them like a parrot, right? Be all about it because they are just a private knowing and data-driven style. Those are the four styles. And that's why we use birds because we want to make it easy to remember. It's all based on the classic disc model, which everybody's familiar with. You can't throw a rock without hitting a disc vendor, right? But the birds make it to where it's like, okay, we know how we are. Now, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to start solving a lot of these pain points in, in the workplace? So anyway, that's my spiel on the birds. 
Yeah, no, I think it's actually really helpful. And it's actually super fun for me as a mom to start to think about my kids in terms of what kind of a bird that they are. And you mentioned how the owl likes to be behind the scenes. And that's my daughter, 100%. Like she can get dramatic and this and that. But if the minute that you start paying attention to her, she just goes right back into the shell. It's like, no, no, no. Goodbye. Don't, take, don't take my picture. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't tell me anything. Like I don't want to, I, I want to be in the background. And my son is probably like the parrot because he's like very, let's do it. Woo. He's so happy. And it's like very social. I got like 15 friends and they all want to sleep over. Yay. Let's do it. <laughs> that sounds like a parrot. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really interesting. So I can tell you that I only have two kids. And if I think about them as these different kinds of birds, it helps me to understand them a little better. I got to imagine that if I am a manager and I've got a team full of people having this as a framework can definitely help me with my team, understanding them better and maybe approaching them differently based on their personalities and their styles. So what are the biggest tips that would help somebody who is a manager who's got, maybe who's having a hard time, right? Maybe they're even burned out. How can they better manage their team with this framework and how can they also get out of burnout for themselves by using this framework on themselves? It's a great question. And I'll share a story that was from a client of ours where this exact thing happened. And a manager who was doing a lot of one-to-ones and a lot of feedback, just made an initiative that year, said, I'm going to meet with every person on my team. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to give them positive feedback. I'm going to make sure they know they're awesome, that they're rock stars, and that they can do it. You can already tell that this manager is a parent. Because that is how they would want feedback given to them. And we got to think about it in terms of the golden rule is, is a great rule when it comes to kindness and patience and empathy. We all deserve that and we all should give that. However, when it comes to how we need to be treated in terms of things like recognition or feedback, we need to do it the way that that other person needs it. So this manager was actually giving all kinds of encouraging feedback to his whole team. And he was going home every day, driving in his car, going, I am nailing it. I'm giving all these people wonderful feedback. And yet he still had turnover. People were leaving. In fact, some of his employees thought that they were either being manipulated, that they weren't being listened to, or that they were being talked down to. Turns out he was leading a team of mostly owls. Mm. Here's the problem is owls, when you give them feedback, it needs to be very specific. It needs to be all about the data. If you were giving feedback to somebody like me, you'd say like, Stephen, you did amazing on project X this year. I like that on point one, two, and three, you improve systems X, Y, and Z. I would like to see how we could create greater efficiency in area Y. What would you think about us creating a time to do this with this as a deadline? I would be like, oh, thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah, let's do that. However, if you came to me and said, Stephen, you are a rock star. You're knocking it out of the park this year. Can't wait to see what you do next year. Keep working, buddy. You got it. I'd be like, why are you making fun of me? Because it's just not what I respond to. I'm more about the details. So my biggest advice for managers who feel stuck and burnout, especially if they feel like they can't get their team to move, is learn about your team. Figure out who's on your team personality-wise. And I would encourage you, come visit takeflightlearning.com. Talk to me. You can take an assessment. However, just from what you just learned with the birds, just step back and think, what is my team composed of? 
Is it a good mix? Are there mostly owls and doves? What industry are you in? Is it a tech industry? Good chances you have a lot of owls and doves. Is it marketing? You may have a lot of parrots. One of the other areas I ran into, Dr. Grossman, is I had a, a homeless shelter that I was training one time. All parrots and doves make sense. Very people-oriented. The one manager was a strong eagle. And it's no surprise why there was so much bitterness and contempt towards that manager. All they care about is work. They don't even care about the people, right? But it's just because they were imposing their style on everybody else. So know your people. And then most importantly, start flexing to the style of your people. Whatever bird they are, talk to them in that style. If you're going to go into a one-to-one -one and you're having this exhausting meeting where you're really constantly flexing, it better be you who leaves exhausted because you spent all that energy talking to that person the way that they needed to be talked to. That's going to be the huge unstuck for people. So yeah. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of the love languages. And the idea there is that you've got to approach everybody based on their love language, not yours. Right. So right. understanding everybody's communication style, as you're saying, or, your, or their personality style is important for you to be able to get the results that you want and not burn people out and make them feel suspicious of something that you genuinely are doing because you care, right? Like that's right. kind of a shame. Right. Yeah. It's well-intentioned, right? But it's how yeah. it comes across. Yeah. Okay. So Stephen, now I want to just kind of quiz you a little bit. And I'm curious if what you're going to come up with lines up with what I came up with. So as you're talking about these four styles, I'm thinking about the three burnout types that we talk about on the show. So we have the thinker, and those are people who tend to be very analytical, very in their heads. Oftentimes they burn out because they can be perfectionist or they've got a lot of anxiety and they're having that paralysis by analysis sort of situation. You've got the feelers, those are the people pleasers. They have a harder time saying no, they don't have really good boundaries and that's why they burn out. And then you've got the doers. Those are the people that are constantly doing a ton and can make your head kind of spin of how much they're mm -hmm. getting accomplished. And the reason they burn out is because they often have their self-worth kind of tied up in accomplishments. So they feel like they constantly have to do more. And so as I'm listening to you talk about these four kinds of birds, I'm thinking about the parallels between what you're talking about and what I'm talking about here on this show. And so I'm curious how you would categorize the thinker, what kind of a bird would you say that they are? So the thinker, that's an interesting one because most of the time it is going to be the owls because they are intensely analytical. However, here's the thing is even though we went over each of the four styles, we have all four styles within us. We just yeah. have particular ones that we're comfortable. We call it the home rule we're at home with. Those are the ones that we go back to the nest with every day. As an owl, being an owl is a very energizing thing for me. My wife doing a lot of owl is very draining for her. However, my wife being the parrot suffers from analysis paralysis and perfectionism, even though that doesn't really line up with her style. So I'll say this, if you slice them down the middle, you have a dichotomy of being liked versus being right. With parrots and doves, it's all about what do people think of me? With yes. owls and eagles, it's all about did I do it right? So with the thinker, anybody can suffer from that. But I'm going to say the ones that are most at risk are going to be your owls and probably your eagles 
that are trying, they're just so focused on the task that they want to make sure it's perfect, that it's right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So actually it's interesting because I think about it like this. I think like the thinker is like that owl and mm -hmm. they're focused on quality. Whereas the doer is like the eagle and they focus on quantity. Well, they do. It just depends on if that eagle has any owl. And that's why in my profile, you see that I'm an owl dove style. I have a little bit of yes. both. Okay. Most, about one third of people are gonna have more than one bird. Some have three. There's very rarely some that have all four as far as just styles that they're in all the time. Mm -hmm. But I would say, yes, you're right on the money as far as the doers, the people who are just wrapped up in, in the task, those are you're gonna be your eagles and can be your parrots as well because they're stimulated by constantly doing things that are new and they can run into that perfectionism problem as well. My wife, I don't think she'd mind sharing this because we're all about big open communication. Her biggest struggles have been tying what she's accomplished to her self-worth and how yeah. good it was, which doesn't sound very parrot, but she's a very fast paced style. So it sounds like an eagle. It's interesting. Or, yeah. It sounds like, like an eagle, right? right? Or at least what I consider a doer. So that's interesting. And to it me, is, the feeler is. is kind of like the parrot slash dove because you right. have the person who obviously cares about other people. They're driven by that desire to please. And at the same time, they're very soft often and they have empathy and all these things. And I guess it just depends on whether maybe they're introverted or extroverted. Right. Our CEO, Merrick, who came up with all this, I think he's known for a while, but we recently created an EQ profile that goes with our personality profile. They're one and the same. It's called Taking Flight with EQ. And what we have discovered is that certain traits have certain baselines. Now, the great thing about EQ is that anybody can improve it. It's not like IQ. It's not mostly static. Your EQ can absolutely be maxed out and improved. Interestingly enough, as an owl dove, I have really low emotional clarity. It's something that I'm working on. So I struggle with my own emotions a lot of times. Whereas you think with somebody with a dove, it's like you, you should be all about emotions. True. But people aren't perfect. We're not cookie cut. We're very, very, very different all around. So it's a good parallel might be, you mentioned the love languages. Me and my wife both have the exact same one. We both are uh, people of affirmation. However, I like to be affirmed very specifically. If you tell me that you did a great job, it's like, how? But if you say, Stephen, you did X, Y, and Z amazing. I'm like, oh, that makes me feel so good. My wife, it's about the energy you put into it. You did awesome. Oh my gosh, you're a rock star. doesn't matter what the details are. So I think going back to the thinker, the feeler, and the doer, I think all the styles can actually burn out in all three ways. 100%. It's how they burn out and more, what are they more susceptible to, so to speak. Yeah. And also just as a final note, I think you were talking about how you're that owl dove and that it's hard for you to know what your emotions are. And I think from the perspective of, of a thinker, we're often so in our heads that we're not attuned to our emotions. And that's probably why. Right. Const it was a big wake up call to me when I had somebody close to me pass away and I didn't experience any feelings for a week. They came back and they hit me. I just thought I was having a bad day. I'm like, why am I emotional? Why am I crying? I must hate my job. I'm working on it, but I had such low EQ in that clarity. I didn't even realize where the feelings were from. I was creating this emotional debt that I had to pay and it came back and hit me. So for those of us who are intense thinkers, yes, that is an area that we're going to struggle in, but we can definitely improve like anybody else.
I remember when my favorite relative passed away and I actually had the opposite experience than you. Like I was actually crying a lot and about, I don't know, two months into it, I'm in a therapy session and I'm crying just kind of like out of the blue. I don't know. Like it just, just came and I'm, I'm telling the, the therapist, I'm like, you know, it's been like two months. I don't understand why I'm still crying. And she was like, there's no expiration date. Like there's no logical, like by this point you should be done. So it's all interesting how you had really trouble like accessing it initially. And for me, it was more about like, shouldn't this be done by now? <laughs> right. Well, and I think more, I mean, you probably know this, but I think mourning is a process, right? Like, I don't know if it does it, but it's how we experience it and the things that we can learn from it. Like, it sounds like your experience was, oh, my light fell down. Like, hey, I thought I was done, but like you never are done in mine. I'm like, oh, this is a superpower. I don't even have to deal with these emotions. Wake up call for me one week later. I am just yeah. on the ground crying my eyes out. I'm like, what's going on? So it's very interesting for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, Stephen, this has been really intriguing. And I'm sure there are people just like me who want to find out more. And so where can they go to get that assessment for themselves to find out more about what it means? And maybe even that EQ profile that you talked about? How can they access any of that? Sure. So what I'm going to do is, and I'll send this to you after the fact, doctor, is I will put together a little ebook that kind of talks about um, both of those assessments. And if anybody's interested in it, uh, I'd be more than happy to give them a complimentary assessment through Take Flight Learning. If they want to figure out which bird they are, learn a little more about them. And I also more than happy to give a 15 minute, just complimentary coaching session, whether you're in HR or you're a leader or you're in coaching or whatever you're doing, stay at home mom, I'd be more than happy to help you understand how your style can or rather how to understand how to properly lean into the strengths of your style and not to impose it on the people you work for, especially not your kids. Cause I have a little daughter who we are convinced is an Eagle two years old already runs the place, right? Definitely an Eagle. And I'm like, I can't treat her like me. I can't treat her that way. And my wife can't treat her like a parent. We got to treat her specifically. So there goes the ADHD. Let me reel it in a little bit. Short answer, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. You can reach me at linkedin.com slash in slash Stephen Farber. You can also email me at sfarber at Take Flight Learning. Perfect. So we'll have all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for your generous gift. I'm hoping that people take you up on it. Yeah, it's up to them if they want to learn a little bit more. Lifelong learnership always brings a lot more peace in just about every situation. Absolutely. Thanks again for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you're a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you're ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye everybody. Mm -hmm.